Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Cassandra. Welcome to Midday Magazine for Tuesday, April 4th. A federal judge has ruled that ConocoPhillips can begin construction immediately on the Willow Project in the Western Arctic. U.S. District Court Judge Sharon Gleason denied requests for an injunction to stop the company from working in the final weeks of the winter construction season. The season is likely to end later this month when the tundra becomes too soft for heavy equipment to travel on. Environmental groups and local residents who oppose the project filed two lawsuits last month, claiming the decision to allow ConocoPhillips to develop its leases in the National Petroleum Reserve was made contrary to environmental laws. Those cases are still pending, but the judge declined to stop work on Willow in the meantime. She wrote that the plaintiffs did not convince her that the company's winter construction plans would cause serious and irreparable harm. Her decision frees ConocoPhillips to embark on its plan to build ice and gravel roads, open a gravel mining site, and begin hauling and dumping gravel. The Wilderness Society, one of the groups that is suing, issued a statement vowing to continue to fight the project. It and five other groups have already filed a notice saying they are appealing Gleason's ruling to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The project has a lot of support from North Slope communities and Native corporations, though some residents of Newick suit the closest village oppose it. Petersburg's Early Education Task Force met last Tuesday to discuss their progress on a collaboration with the Boys and Girls Clubs Alaska. The organization is interested in restarting programming in Southeast Alaska, including Petersburg. The Early Childhood Education Task Force has been in talks about it since February of this year. Chelsea Tremblay heads Petersburg's task force. She says the last few weeks of planning produced a mix of great and frustrating news. The great news is a great amount of feedback from the survey that had been handed out uh, within the school system. Katie Homeland is on the task force and runs Kinderskog, a local child care center. She says the task force found no shortage of interest in the program, but they're having a hard time finding a place to house it. It's frustrating to have right people, right motivation. We have the audience ready and we just don't have space to put it. Tremblay says the group's chosen location fell through. Yeah, it's especially frustrating in a place where you know a lot of places are vacant for different reasons. And so it's just a matter of lack of landlord flexibility slash logistical ability. You know. Tremblay is optimistic that there might be a solution to this problem among the people who answered the survey. She says the results indicated that almost 50 local young people between ages 6 to 14 are interested in the program. Another 10 adult survey takers said that the shortage of after-school childcare is an important issue in the community. She believes at least one interested parent might have an input on where to host the program. The group's next step is to start a volunteer search committee to find a new space for the Boys and Girls Clubs Alaska. Trawl nets, buoys, even boats and fragments of buildings, these are some types of marine debris that wash up on Alaska's coasts every day. Lauren Devine is director of the Ecosystem Conservation Office on the remote Bering Sea Island of St. Paul. She says it's a never-ending problem for her community. 
in one cleanup with a crew of about 10 people on St. Paul Island in any given year, we can pull about 20,000 or more pounds of debris uh, in a week off of our shorelines. Devine spoke at a marine debris panel at the Arctic Encounter Conference in Anchorage last week. She says the trash piling up on St. Paul's beaches tend to be big, heavy pieces of fishing gear, coordinating teams to collect and sort the debris, plus a barge to pick it up and take it to mainland landfill, is an expensive logistical nightmare. All of the time, the burden for these cleanups is put on the communities. Funding these efforts is a major challenge. NOAA supplies some grants to fund cleanup efforts, and an Anchorage-based environmental nonprofit has helped to coordinate pickups all over Alaska. But overall, coordinators say there's not enough money to address the scale of the problem. There's also not a clear way to hold anyone responsible for the trash that washes up on shore. NOAA fisheries biologist Erica Alman says as shipping traffic increases off Alaska's coast and the mariculture industry expands, the focus should be on preventing marine debris at its source. I think now is the time to, you know, make sure that we have regulations or permitting requirements in place so that they don't contribute to the problem. Ammon says NOAA is helping start a marine debris action plan for Alaska to educate rural cleanup coordinators and connect them with resources. She's also hoping the 2021 bipartisan infrastructure law will help make more money available to fund Marie marine debris cleanup. Hundreds of sport fishing anglers returned for the annual Homer Winter King Salmon Tournament last weekend and a chance at over $200,000 in tournament prizes. This year's winner caught a 26-pound king and took home over $62,000. But as Corrine Smith reports, the real winner was the city of Homer, which got a much-needed economic boost at a time when Cook Inlet King salmon runs are in decline. A crowd of onlookers are gathered on shore as dozens of boats stream past into the Homer Harbor to weigh in their catch. The tournament is seeing record participation, and this year drew over 800 participants and 273 boats from all over the state for one day of king salmon fishing on Catchmack Bay. The top 10 biggest kings are displayed on hooks before a large crowd, silver skin glistening in the sun, and the winner is announced at 26.12 pounds. For a total winnings of the first place prize of 62000 $36.75, unofficial total. Gail Billiou, congratulations. This is your champion, you guys. Brad Anderson is executive director of the Homer Chamber of Commerce, which hosts the annual tournament. He says the economic impact for the town is huge. Typically a very slow time of the year, um, and typically this event fills up all of our local hotels and things. So, yeah, it has a, a great opportunity. And I think the last time we had did our survey, I believe it's about 60% of the people coming out here, you know, were staying. They weren't local. Gunnar Knapp is a retired University of Alaska Anchorage economist who has studied Alaska's salmon fisheries for decades. 
Though difficult to quantify, he says sport fishing has multiplying impacts for local economies. In general, sport fisheries, and including things such as a big fishing tournament, have a, a really dramatic economic impact in terms of sort of spending and income and jobs created. In the community or in the region, Nap points to spending on fishing guides, lodging, restaurants, and local stores, boosting local businesses and tourism opportunities. In addition, he says sport fishing can attract people to live or retire in fishing communities, like around the Kenai Peninsula. It's not just the money that is created、uh, in all these different businesses where people, you know, engaged in sport fishing, spend money. It's also that a huge number of Alaskans sport fishing is a big part of their life. It's a big part of what they enjoy. While derby participants are having success on Kachemak Bay, other Kenai King salmon runs haven't been doing well. This year, the Cook Inlet King salmon fishery is being closely watched as declining runs and low harvest projections triggered state fisheries managers to close the King sport fishery on the Kenai Peninsula earlier this month. Matt Miller is a Cook Inlet sport fisheries manager with the Department of Fish and Game. He says king salmon stocks across the state have been doing poorly, and Cook Inlet is no exception. We've been doing restrictions in season and preseason for the last well, several years, going back ten years in some of these systems. And、um, there's no easy decisions when it comes to closing these fisheries, but. We take the responsibility to manage these resources pretty seriously. But Miller says the Ocean Cook Inlet King Salmon, those fish caught in the tournament, are part of a mixed stock. That means those king salmon return to spawn all over coastal Alaska and British Columbia, not necessarily to the Kenai Peninsula rivers to spawn, though some do. Some of those fish are adult fish maturing and bound for Cook Inlet streams, and some of them are. Younger fish that are still growing and are going to return to other systems outside of Cook Inlet. Miller says it's a good sign that anglers did well in the tournament, weighing in over 100 kings in a single day. But it doesn't necessarily reflect the health or sustainability of the local king salmon stocks. Economist Gunnar Knapp says the closed king salmon sport fisheries will certainly have an economic impact for the Kenai Peninsula this summer, though again it's difficult to quantify. In Homer, I'm Corinne Smith. The board of the Southeast Alaska State Fair in Haines has recently come under local scrutiny because of an act that has been booked for this summer's event. Juno Drag has been scheduled to perform on the main stage in the early evening. As Alan Depremini reports from Haines, some residents do not think this is appropriate. Many residents voiced either support or opposition to the troupe performing at the fair. Spencer Douthit is chair of the fair board. He started receiving emails after posting the lineup on the fair's website. As of Wednesday, he had received 95 emails. He said a slight majority are in support of hosting Juno Drag. Douthit estimates he has spent more than 25 hours dealing with the communications over the past week. He hadn't expected such a reaction. Juno Drag has done many public performances over the course of many years, and what they're going to present at the fair would be the same performance that you would see in Skagway or Juno at a public venue. Douthit says some of the comments he received were worrying. 
one sender fantasized of an ideal world where violence would prevent such shows from being staged. Dowsett says he forwarded the email to the police department, where it is now on file. The comments during the borough assembly meeting were respectful. Representatives of the Ministerial Association voiced their opposition to the show. President Courtney Kelly said she objected to the sexual nature of the show. For me, this is not an issue that comes down to religion or any of those things. The fair has an opportunity to put forth a public event that everyone can enjoy. We're talking about something that is sexual, whether we want to say it is or not. It doesn't matter if someone else doesn't think it's sexual or if someone else says, well, that's just how they express themselves. Resident Eileen Zeiger spoke in support of the show. One of the reasons I go to the fair is to see other parts of Southeast Alaska, parts that I can't necessarily go to to see myself. And for that reason, I support bringing the drag show to town. One of the problems I have when I'm at the fair is choosing which event to see because there are multiple events happening at the same time. There's a lot to see at the fair. You don't have to go to the shows you don't like. Assembly member Gabe Thomas spoke about finding a middle ground. I don't see why we can't assess the fair to be humble and say, hey, let's just move it to where it's a time frame where kids aren't really there. Everybody exit out like they do the shows, come back in, let the parents, let the families have a choice. It's kind of a middle ground. I think it's an easy way to deal with it. It's not saying we don't want it, we don't support it. It's just saying let the families have their choice. Simple as that. Many people opposed to bringing Juno Drag to Haines said the show would not be family-friendly. Gigi Monroe describes herself as the drag mother of the troupe. She says each performance is adapted to its audience. I would say drag is an art form like any other art form, and it can be family-friendly or it can be adult-only, just like music, just like paintings, just like dance performances. There's a range. So... When we look at attending an art event, we look at who's going to be there, and we tailor the performance to that audience. Monroe says over the last eight years, the shows have been adapted to fit a variety of venues. We started out at one of the local bars, but then we started getting requests to perform outside of the bars. So we started doing, you know, one-off events, whether they were community block parties or performances at the university. And we had a huge call to have family-friendly offerings so that parents and kids could enjoy the shows as well. One thing leading to another, the troupe started doing an annual drag story hour at the Juno Library. We show at the library and they have selected a pile of, you know, books that would be good options for us to read. And so each of the performers selects a book and there's three or four of us and we show up in drag and we perform a short song that's kid oriented. And then we read the book. And so it's, you know, three or four songs and three or four books. And then we have just a group dance party at the end. And, and it's a lot of fun. Monroe says the Drag Story Hour is now the second most popular event at the Juno Library, just behind the day when the fire department gives kids tours of their trucks. As for the controversy in Haines, the fair board is looking into rescheduling the drag show for later in the evening. There are plans to host a meeting to give community members a chance to voice their concerns. A member of the Ministerial Association says they have reached out to the fair board to discuss the matter. Until then, they have chosen not to comment further. 
You can find the full recording of our conversation with Gigi Monroe on our website. For KHNS, I'm Alan DePrimineau. And for KFSK, I'm Rachel Cassandra.